Good morning. Welcome to Ironworks Church. Very glad that uh, each and every one of you have joined us, whether here or online. Thank you. It is, it is a privilege to have you here. For those of you that don't know, my name is Joshua Olson, I'm one of the ruling elders here at Ironworks Church, and I am the director of congregational care, um, and as a result of that, part of the pastoral team here at Ironworks Church during this interim period. Um, and apparently, I'm also the home group czar. I guess that came up recently, um, but we're trying to make home groups great again, so hopefully we can do that. Um, So this morning, we are continuing our series in the life of David, um, the sinner after God's own heart. And I, I think that we would be amiss if we went through the life of David and we did not explore David as the songwriter, the psalm writer. And the prophet. See, God loves songs. And how do I know that God loves songs? Because he dedicated the largest book in his sacred text to be a song book. And as was recently pointed out in in some recent sermons, God often speaks to us prophetically through songs, like Mary's Magnificat and Hannah's song, and, as we will see, throughout the book of Psalms. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to explore the power of lament and prophecy in Psalm 22. Uh, We will look at three different things. First, we'll look at the dark night of the soul, and then we will look at how faith is expressed through and in lament. And then we will talk about how the darkest night often brings the brightest day. So the dark night of the soul. It sounds like a Christopher Nolan movie. But it is, it's something that is common to all of us. A tragedy. A sickness. A catastrophe. A feeling of just despair, of hopelessness, helplessness, feeling alone, all alone. And why? Why do we, as people born of the Holy Spirit and new creations in Christ, experience the despair and the bleakness of the dark night of the soul? That is an important, these these two questions are So, so important if we want to make it through our life in faith in Christ. And so we will be exploring those questions. But before that, perhaps you are here this morning and you are experiencing something like this right now. You feel hopeless and helpless and alone and sad. I want to tell you this morning that you are not alone. This experience is common enough that the Puritans labeled it the desertion of the soul. 
And if you go back even further, the medieval theologians are the ones who called it the dark night of the soul. Friend, you are not alone. King David felt this despair, this incredible isolation, this abandonment as well. Normally, we have you rise to honor the reading of sacred scripture, but this time I will ask you to remain seated. Perhaps even bow your head. Get into the posture of lament and listen as Tyler comes and reads from the sacred scripture, the 22nd Psalm. The reading for this morning, Psalm 22. To the choir master, according to the doe of the dawn, a psalm of David. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry, day, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you are fathers trusted. They trusted and you have delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me and they make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you I was cast from birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open their wide mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a post, like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death, for dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O oh Lord, do not be far off. O oh, you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion." Brothers and sisters, will you stand with me as we continue? You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him and stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. 
The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied, and those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And why are you so far from saving me and from the words of my groaning? Oh, my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, I find no rest. This is a cry from the depths of a soul in lament. A cry so deep and so painful that David could not even sleep. In the depths of his soul, he feels alone, abandoned. His friends and his family have become his enemies, and they surround him and mock him, and like lions are trying to devour him. But more agonizing than any of this is that feeling, that horrible, dark sense that God has abandoned him. And friends, this is what sits at the heart of what it means to be in the dark night of the soul. That we feel like we cry out to the ceiling and it just reverberates back to us. That no one is listening. That no one hears our groan. But why do we experience the dark night of the soul? And more importantly, why does God bring us through the dark night of the soul? It's something that he is involved in. He is bringing us through the dark night of the soul. I think, I think that Romans chapter 8 gives us some insight as to why this happens. It says, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, 
We groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for the adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. Ever since the fall of mankind, when creation was subjected to the curse of futility and we ourselves were subjected to sin, ever since that moment, we, along with creation, have entered into various seasons of groaning. Yes, Paul acknowledges that we have the first fruits of the Spirit if we are in Christ, but we are still living in a broken world with broken bodies. This means that we can have a physical manifestation of a brokenness that can lead to despair. We can have chemical imbalances in our brains that lead us into what physicians call major depressive disorder. Or we can have another chemical imbalance that could lead to a bipolar disorder. Or it means that we encounter brokenness within the world that can lead to despair. For instance, recent devastation in the wake of Hurricane Ian in Florida, or the war in Ukraine, or a debilitating injury, or tragic loss of a loved one. All of these things can push us to the place of despair and hopelessness. And the Spirit, the Spirit of God, that is, is within us, and He is at war against the remnants of sin that remain within us. And so there is hope. And there is a way in which we can lament and feel this despair and reflect it back to God in faith. There's a way to express even our doubts in faith. And so this brings us to our second point, which is faith expressed through lament. How can we express faith in our doubts? It seems like a contradiction, but our faith is often mingled with unbelief. I think about that father who who entreated Jesus about his son, and he said, I believe, help my unbelief. Faith mingled with doubts. That is our experience until we see him face to face. Faith mingled with doubts. And you can see this in David as he's crying out to God. Even in this first verse, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken? So David is expressing the fact that God is his. He is his God. You are my God, and why have you forsaken me? I believe you, but why do I feel this way? I cry out to you, but my groaning seems to not reach your ears. 
Why, God, have you forsaken me? But you can see David kind of doing battle with himself, where he's saying, ah, I feel like God is nowhere to be found. I cry out to him, and he's deaf. But then in verse 3 through 5, he says, yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you are fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted, and their trust was not put to shame. So you can see David, he's trying, he's trying to believe. He's doing battle in his soul with these unbeliefs, and he's doing it in faith, remembering how God has been faithful in the past. He does it again in verse 9 through 6, where he says, Yet you are, you are the one who took me from the womb, and you made me to trust even at my mother's breasts. On you I was cast from birth, and from my mother's womb you have been my God. And so he cries out, Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help, no one that is except you. Yes, David cries, you have been my God, even from before I took my first breath, when I was still in my mother's womb. But then you can see this this battle taking place in David's heart. Because he says, and you have trusted since I was an infant, since I was in the womb of my mother. But then in verse 12, he's crying out again, about his circumstances. Many bulls encompass me. Strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a roaring and ravenous lion. I am poured out like water, and my heart is like wax. My strength is dried up, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. And you, you, God, have laid me in the dust of death. You, God, why? Why am I in this place? So you can see how you can express lament. You can express your doubts in faith, doing battle. But when David ends this verse and he says, you have laid me in the dust of death. It begs a question, why has God done this to David? And that's where we will look at our third point. The darkest night often turns to the brightest day. You ever done that where you turn out the lights or the lights are off and you woke up and then someone just turns on the brightest light and your eyes just like, oh! Um, It's because... Your pupils are adjusting to the darkness, so they, um, they dilate. And when someone turns on that light, you're getting way, way more light than you need at that point. The darkest night can turn into the brightest of days. I appreciate how Tyler had you stand 
at the beginning of verse 21. David says these wonderful words. He's been crying out to God, and and it seems like God has not been hearing him. God has been turning a deaf ear to David, but then he gets to this point. Verse 21, in this wonderful, wonderful phrase, you have rescued me. You have rescued me. And he says, you have not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. You have not turned a blind eye to my affliction. And you have not hidden your face from the afflicted. But you have heard when he cried out to you. So there's this, <clears throat> there's this verse that unfortunately has become incredibly cliche. Um, <clears throat> you hear it said, whispered, sometimes at the most inopportune times, when people are in the midst of their grief, when people are in the midst of that just, that just raw lament with God, and someone comes along and says, ah, it's okay, you're good, all things work together for good for those who love God. It's all, it's all good. Everything's great. No, not everything is good. But there is a wonderful thing in this verse, a wonderful promise that we need to absorb before we enter into the dark night of the soul so that we can recall it. There is a wonderful promise. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.29. We know that God causes all things, all things to work together for good. So what this verse does not say is that your suffering is good, that the tragedies that may have pushed you into despair are good. That the chemical imbalance in your mind is good. None of those things are good. They are effects of the fall, and they are bad. But what this verse does say is that God works in and through the bad and the evil in this world for your good. And so when you're in that dark night of the soul, remember, God, he's not abandoned you. He's put you there for a reason that's good. Remember that. <clears throat> God is able to take what is meant for evil and turn it into good. Just remember the life of Joseph. So you start out and there's a plot for his life. His brothers want to kill him. Thankfully, one of them was like, mm, let's not kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. That should be fine. So he's sold into slavery. And while he's working as a slave, he experiences an attempted sexual assault and then is falsely accused of being the perpetrator instead of the victim. So he's sent to prison. 
as a perpetrator of sexual assault. And he's in prison, and he helps somebody else who's in prison get out of prison. And he's like, hey, remember me? And he doesn't hear anything. Forgotten. Until one day, that person does remember. And God is working and orchestrating so that Joseph will be made the prince of Egypt, the second in command of all the known world, so that he could be used by God to save the known world from famine. God takes what is bad, what is horrible, what is disgusting, what is filthy and evil, and he's able to make it good. He's able to turn it in to something good, to work it for good. At any moment, Joseph could have given up on his faith. Just think, ah, my brothers betray me. They sold me into slavery. I'm falsely accused. I'm in prison. At any moment, just think of how horrible those things would be and how you might feel and think about God. But Joseph entrusted himself to God. And the bright day that came from Joseph's time and darkness shone all the brighter because of the difficulties he went through. And we see that this happens too in the life of David. He's going through the psalm and, and just bearing his heart. But he experiences God's love and redemption and he bursts out into a song. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform for those, before those who fear you. The afflicted will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek you shall praise you, Lord. May your hearts live forever. David has experienced the redemption of God. The brightness of of that redemption shines brighter because of the darkness that David went through. So friends, what is the darkest night? The darkest night brings the brightest day. I said that we would look at the power of lament and we would look at the power of prophecy. And it is here that we will look at the prophetic voice of David that's reverberating the premonition of the Messiah. David experienced extreme trials, but often they were brought about by his own sins, his own mistakes, his own misgivings. And our dark night, too, is mixed with our sinful inclinations and the consequences of our own sin. But the darkest night came when the Messiah, the Son of God from Psalm chapter 2, David's Lord from Psalm chapter 110, the one from whom was cast on God from the womb in Psalm 22:10, The Messiah fulfills in quite a literal way the poetic language used by David to describe his situation. So for David, he's using poetic language Stuff that didn't necessarily happen, but he was using it as a picture. But listen once again to what it says and how beautifully and literally Jesus Christ, the Messiah, has fulfilled it. I am a worm and not a man, 
scorned by mankind, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Friends, that's exactly what those who said to Jesus when he was hanging on the cross. Then he goes on, I'm poured out like wax. All my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. Jesus from the cross says, I thirst. I thirst. Because his mouth is so dry that he would take even the worst sour wine as a drink. And he goes on, for dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced, what? My hands and my feet. How can you get more specific than this? I can count all my bones. They stare and they gloat at me. And friends, they divide my garments among them for they are for my clothing. They cast lots. That's exactly what the Roman soldiers did with Jesus' clothes. And most poignantly of all, verse 1, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The very words that Jesus cries out on the cross, this psalm is about Jesus. It's meant to tell us about our Messiah and how he entered into the dark night of the soul and he destroyed forever the deepest cause of the dark night, abandonment, separation, the gulf between the holy and the sinful is bridged. Jesus Messiah took the curse of futility, the curse of sin that both creation and we are groaning under and he broke it. The garden temple that was guarded by the cherubim is now open. We can enter in to the holy of holies and know that God is for us, that he is with us, that he will never leave us or forsake us. The darkest night when Jesus cried, Eli, Eli, laba sabachthani, why have you forsaken me? When that man, Jesus Christ, who was mysteriously united to the Son of God, experienced the abandonment of God, the darkness, the gloom, the deep shadow that cast over the entire world has been swallowed up in light. It has opened the door wide for us to enter into the city where the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life with its 12 kinds of fruits, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be anything accursed. Nothing accursed. But the throne of God and the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And friends, night 
will be no more. No more dark night of the soul. Night will be vanquished. And there will be no need for light from the lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever. That is you. That is you. Jesus Christ entered the darkest night of the soul so that you could have the promise of the brightest day to come. So that you can enter a place where there's nothing accursed, where there is no night, but only day. Only joy, only healing, only goodness, all evil vanquished forever. Let's pray. Gracious God, we worship you. And we thank you that you have taught us how to approach you in the seasons of the dark night of the soul. That we can be honest with you. That we can express our doubts. And we can fight for faith. And Lord God, we thank you that Jesus, the Messiah, experienced the darkest night of the soul. And he has purchased for us a one-way ticket to the brightest day that will never end. No more sorrow, no more sin, no more sickness, no more sadness, no more death. Lord Jesus, thank you for doing this for us. And help us, be with us, encourage us when we go through the dark night of the soul. Help us to remember that you will work even the darkest things for good for your people. In Jesus' name, amen.